Today on the Matt Wall Show, proponents of critical race theory are now claiming that all they want to do is teach kids about the facts of American history, facts like slavery. That's all they want to do. That's all critical race theory is. Uh, and, and they're wrong about that. That's not all the critical race theory is, of course. But I think we should teach about slavery, too, but we should be telling the whole truth. And today we'll talk about the whole truth of slavery. Also, five headlines. The NSA denies Tucker Carlson's claim that he's being spied on, or did they really deny it? A man is crowned Miss Nevada USA, and a woman whose husband is active duty Navy alerts me to a, a mandatory diversity hike, quote-unquote, in honor of Pride Month that her husband was allegedly forced to participate in. In our daily cancellation, a new organization of Gen Z Republicans has a plan for connecting with today's youth, and it's terrible. All of that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. Yeah, I've told you about how uh, we were on vacation and traveling, and uh, that's always a lot of fun. But one of the problems when you're when you're traveling is that you can encounter, whether you're at a hotel or at someone's house, you, you encounter, there are a lot of uncomfortable beds and mattresses out there that you have to deal with. And I know that for me, I was just waiting until I could get home to my Helix Sleep mattress again, uh, because nothing beats a Helix Sleep. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. If you like a mattress that's really soft or firm, if you sleep on your side or your back or your stomach, whatever your sleep preferences are, with Helix, there's a specific mattress for each and everybody's unique taste. Helix is uh, awesome, but you don't need to take my word for it. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. If you want to know why, all you got to do is get a Helix mattress. Just go to helixsleep.com slash Walsh, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off and free pillows with all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash Walsh. That's helixsleep.com slash Walsh for up to $200 off your mattress order. As critical race theory faces ever-mounting criticism, the strategy of its proponents is to start throwing mud in the water. They can't stand by their real beliefs or defend what they're actually doing. So instead, they try to turn the discussion about critical race theory into something else entirely. We've talked about that already, but the, the efforts are getting more and more desperate. So Henry Rogers, stage name Ibram X. Kendi, uh, went on MSNBC yesterday and claimed that he doesn't believe that white people are inherently racist. Let's listen to that. Do you believe that white Americans are inherently racist? Oh, I do not. And, and indeed, in How to Be an Anti-Racist, I make the case that we shouldn't believe that anyone is inherently racist or that we should identify anyone as a racist. Whoa, what? We shouldn't identify anyone as a racist? Well, that's, that's news to everyone, including to Henry Rogers himself, who not long ago was saying stuff like this. It is critical for, for white people, for people... Uh, in general, to, to stop denying their, their racist ideas, to stop denying the ways in which policies have benefited them, to stop denying their racism, and to realize that actually the heartbeat of racism itself is denial, and the sound of that heartbeat is, I'm not racist. Uh, okay, so white people aren't inherently racist, and we shouldn't call people racist, but at the same time, white people need to stop denying that they're racist, and when they deny that they're racist, it only proves that they're racist. This would seem to be a rather confusing set of ideas until you realize that it's not a set of ideas at all. There are no set ideas. 
The ideas and claims change in order to accommodate the rhetorical needs of the moment. Fortunately for Mr. Rogers, he feels no moral obligation to be honest. He has a moral obligation to be honest, same as anyone else, but he doesn't feel it being a congenital liar and all. Another strategy is to change the subject and pretend that the argument is about something else entirely. It's to pretend that the people opposed to critical race theory education are really opposed to education in general. So I thought this was a great example of this strategy. This is a video of a teacher offering a response to critical race theory critics, uh, and she kind of demonstrates this approach. Let's, uh, let's listen to that. A response to Republicans, whenever you say we should teach about slavery or the genocide of indigenous people in the classroom, is, oh, well, it happened so long ago. Why do we have to, t- why, do we, why do we need to know? Why does anyone need to know? Okay, why do you learn about the Holocaust? Why do you learn about the Rwandan genocide? Why do you learn about imperialism? Why do you learn about the Enlightenment? Why do you learn about the Soviet Union? Why do you learn about the American Revolution? Why do you learn about the Civil War? All those things were in the past. Why, why do we learn about them? It's, it's almost as though there's a class you take in school where you talk about things that happened in the, in the past. Wait a minute. Wait, this is all making too much sense, right? It's too much. No. Got to say, see-through shirt, interesting choice for the classroom. Uh, But look, I don't mean to to pick on this one teacher. I I do mean to pick on her, actually, but not just her. This is a common enough talking point to warrant a thorough response, I think. The claim is that Republicans, and by that she means anyone who's not firmly and totally on her ideological side on every issue— are opposed to kids being taught about slavery or the, quote, genocide of Native Americans, and uh, that we don't want these things taught because they happened a long time ago, and therefore nobody needs to know. The problem with the argument as she presents it is that literally not one single person has ever made that argument. She's the first one to make it. Nobody, and I really do mean nobody, is suggesting that the fact of American slavery should not be taught. I have not heard anyone say that. And I would defy anyone to provide an example of anyone saying that. It'd be quite convenient if we would make that argument because it's a very stupid argument and easy to debunk. But that's not the argument. So since she brought up the subject, let me now um, explain. And this is all very tied into the, to the, to the critical race theory discussion, especially as the proponents try to change the subject. Um, so, so let me explain what our point as it pertains to slavery actually is. And really, there are two points, and they're both rather simple. One, the full story and truth about slavery should be taught. If we're going to tell kids about slavery, and we should, then we need to give them the complete picture. So far from wanting nothing taught about slavery, we actually want more to be taught about it. We want more said. We want more time spent on it. The fact that so many Americans think slavery is a uniquely white sin and that white Americans carry some kind of special guilt for it only shows that the education they're being given about slavery is narrow and incomplete. We want to widen the lens, expand the scope of the discussion. Consider these questions. How many Americans know that slavery was still practiced legally in Africa as recently as 1980? If you're in my generation, my generation was walking this earth, or at least crawling on it, um, at a time when there was still legal slavery in the world, in Africa. 
How many Americans know that? How many realize that it was practiced legally all across the non-Western world long after it had been abolished everywhere in the Western world? How many realize that it uh, still goes on unofficially, quote-unquote, in Africa, the Mideast, and Asia? How many even realize that slavery is an ancient institution which predates the formation of the United States by many thousands of years? How many know that by the time white Americans were buying slaves, the practice had already been in place in the Middle East for 8,000 years? How many know that it had been going on for thousands of years in the Americas before the white man showed up? How many know that black Americans and Native Americans both owned black slaves? I think the answer on all counts is very few. Very few people in this country know any of those facts. I believe they should know those facts, which means that I want far more to be taught about slavery. My problem with the slavery education being provided by women like the one in that video is that it doesn't go nearly far enough. Do any of the facts I just listed minimize the objective evil of American slavery? No. Do they potentially mitigate the personal moral culpability of the individuals in this country who supported it or practiced it? Yes, of course. I mean, someone who practiced slavery today, someone who practices slavery today, and again, people do practice it today, is more morally culpable than someone who practiced it 200 years ago. The fact that slavery was an accepted institution the world over for thousands and thousands of years everywhere does not, again, make it less objectively evil, but it does call for the actions of the individuals who were involved in it to be judged within their historical context. And, and, uh, and yet none of that is really the point. We should teach the full truth about slavery simply because it's the full truth. When we teach kids about science or technology or mathematics, do we pretend that all of those things were invented by and started with white Americans? Do we tell kids in school that Americans invented democracy or poetry or literature? No, you see, when it comes to the good things, the things of value, we make sure that our children know that other people throughout history and around the world contributed. And yet with slavery, we tend to take all the credits. Funny how that works, isn't it? That's our first point about slavery. The second is that no person living today should be made to feel any guilt at all for atrocities that happened before they were born, slavery included. And this is a really fortunate thing because there's a very good chance that all of us, every person alive today, is descended from slave owners at some point back in their family tree. Now, I know that I'm not descended from white American slave owners. My family got here after that was all done. But, uh, but some far-removed relative way back there in my lineage probably owned some slaves somewhere at some point. And that's true for you, too. It's true for everyone, black, white, or otherwise. You've also most likely had relatives who murdered, who robbed, who committed other unknown acts of savagery. The world is a brutal place today, and it used to be a whole lot more brutal. Nobody's ancestral line is pure or clean. So we can all be weighed down by guilt for things we didn't do and had no hand in and which occurred before we even existed, or we can carry on with our lives. I suggest the latter. In fact, I don't think that you should even necessarily be weighed down by guilt for things that you did do. If you did something bad and you feel guilty, as you should, um, 
then make amends the best you can. Apologize to the person you wronged. Repent of your sins. Change your ways. Make your act of contrition. But there's nothing to be gained, no virtue to be found in walking around every day utterly obsessed with and possessed by the sins of your past for which you've already repented. And here I refer again to the sins of your past. Even those should not consume you. But the sins of someone else's past, sins in which you played absolutely no part whatsoever, if you feel guilt about that, then your situation is uh, pathological. And those are my points about slavery. I think I can generally speak for, for all conservatives, really, on this. This is what we're saying about slavery. Yes, teach about it, but teach the right things. Teach the full picture and don't cast blame where it doesn't belong. That's it. Pretty simple. Now let's get to our five headlines. We take a lot of pictures these days because we all carry uh, cameras. It used to be, kids don't realize this, but it used to be that you had a, a camera, which was a separate thing that you had to like bring with you if you thought you were doing something or you might want to take a picture. But now everybody has a camera with them. And uh, so we're taking pictures all the time. I don't really, but my wife does. Everything we do, she's like, we got to take 45 pictures and document every aspect of the, but you know what happens? You take the pictures and then, and then what do you do with them? They're just, they stay on your phone. And then you go and get a new phone eventually and you lose half of them and they're just kind of there in cyberspace. You're not doing anything with them. Uh, and that's why if you take a picture, you need to find a way to cherish that moment. And you can do that by making it physical so that that moment you captured doesn't get lost on your camera roll. And that's why you need myphoto.com. It's awesome and easy to use and it takes literally two minutes to create a special product for your own wall or shelf. And they make great gifts for your loved ones. My Photo prints your image directly on acrylic, glass, metal, and more. You need to go to myphoto.com and check it out. That's myphoto.com. Order today. You get 20% off your order, which will arrive in just five days. Prices start at just $12. Use code Walsh and get 20% off today at myphoto.com. All right. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm still kind of new to, to city life. We moved from a rural town in Pennsylvania, literally a one-stop signed we didn't have a stoplight with a stop sign and uh we, we had like a post office and a, and a bar you know gas station uh my point is that i'm i'm, I'm still kind of getting accustomed to city life and uh and, and and feeling my way through things a little bit maybe with some naivete um i don't know so i made a mistake i guess it was a mistake last night um when i went to a, a mexican uh, takeout place well, first of all, my, my wife and kids, are, and really I can blame this on my wife because she's not here. My wife and kids are gone for the week, and so I'm home alone. And my wife said uh, that she, she, she said, oh, I can order you some groceries and because uh, she doesn't trust me to just go buy them. So she, she, order, she said, I'll order them, send them to the house, and then you, you, know, you can make meals. And I said, you think I'm going to make meals for myself when I'm home alone? Well, who do you think I am? No, I'm just going to order takeout. That's what I'm going to live on, of course. So I did this Mexican takeout place, and... Um, and there were bars in the windows, and there was there's no AC. Everybody's everybody's sweating up a storm in the whole place. But the tacos were like a buck fifty a piece, so I figured it'd be fine. And then I, I ate it um, a lot of tacos, probably too many, and I, I just I lived to pay the price. I'm not going to go into detail, but then I thought, is this a, is this something you should do? Basically, should you avoid places with bars in the window when it comes to ordering food? I don't know. 
And the problem might have been that as I was starting to feel the pain and discomfort of my decision, I thought, well, let me settle my stomach a little bit. I went to my fridge and I pulled out the uh, takeout uh, leftover Indian that I had eaten the day before. And I started eating that because I thought maybe that would help. It didn't help at all. It was all information you didn't need, but now you have it. Here's information you do need, need, I think. The NSA uh, has been accused by Tucker Carlson of spying on him in order to get the show put off the air. And and he said that uh, a whistleblower, we talked about this yesterday, a whistleblower in the NSA reached out to him and told him this was happening and then also repeated back to him some messages that he had sent that, that there's no way that should be known unless he was being spied on. The, the NSA has issued uh, a statement regarding these allegations. And let's just, I'll read the statement to you. And li- listen very carefully to each sentence, because this is the NSA we're talking about. And they don't have some 17-year-old intern putting out statements on stuff like this. There's a lot of thought put into each sentence. And so you got to pay attention to what is said and what's not said. So the statement is, on June 28th, 2021, Tucker Carlson alleged that the National Security Agency has been monitoring our electronic communications and is planning to leak them in an attempt to take this show off the air. This allegation is untrue. Tucker Carlson has never been an intelligence target of the agency, and the NSA has never had any plans to try to take his program off the air. NSA has a foreign intelligence mission. We target foreign powers to generate insights on foreign activities that could harm the United States. With limited exceptions, uh, like an emergency, NSA may not target a U.S. citizen without a court order that explicitly authorizes the targeting. Hmm. Now, the media has reported this as a full denial and... Full transparency from the NSA. But I read this and I think, okay, this is a little interesting. Because because actually there are three claims that Tucker Carlson makes. He's making a a threefold allegation. It's really three separate allegations. It's that his communications are being monitored. And that there's a plan to leak them. And that this is being done to take him off the air. So the NSA in their statement, they repeat this, and then they say, this allegation is untrue. Well, hang on a second, NSA. Which allegation is untrue? Because there are three of them. You denied one. Are you saying the whole thing is untrue or just the last thing you said or what? And again, there's, there's a lot of thought put into this. They could have said, all of this is untrue, or these allegations are untrue. Instead, they say, this allegation is untrue. And then rather than saying, uh, we have never monitored Tucker Carlson, or we have never accessed any private information, or any messages or emails or anything, instead of saying that, which they could have said, they say, Tucker Carlson has never been an intelligence target of the agency. Hmm. Was somebody else a target? And Tucker Carlson got wrapped up into that. Was he monitored for some other reason without being an intelligence target? I'm not going to say that their denial fully confirms that the claim is true, but um, I, I would say it, 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 it is more evidence, in fact, that at least some of what is being claimed 
is true. Because they could have denied the entire thing in a very clear and direct way. And they didn't. I mean, anytime someone denies, you know, you make a claim and then they rephrase your claim in a different way and deny the rephrased version of it. Yeah, that, that, that's always a red flag. Because Sarko Carlson says, uh, they monitor me, they have my messages, and the NSA says, uh, no, you've never been a target. Well, hold on, I, that's, that's not exactly what I said. All right, let's go uh, next here. This is from the New York Post. It says, a transgender woman, quote, unquote, uh, that, that would be a male, has been crowned Miss Nevada USA for the first time in the pageant's history. Cataluna Enriquez, 27, who only began competing last year in cisgender pageants, was named the winner Sunday in the competition at the South Point Hotel Casino in Las Vegas. Uh, Enriquez said, one thing that's important for me is inclusivity, diversity, and representation. It's something I did not have growing up and is still lacking in today's world. Today, I'm a proud transgender woman of color. Personally, I've learned that my differences do not make me less than. It makes me more than. <laughs> I, didn't, I hadn't actually read this story till right now. Uh, I, I, did, I didn't, you know, once you see the headline, you kind of get the gist of it. But that is just great. <laughs> Isn't that? It, my differences don't make me less than. It makes me more, more than what? More than who, I should ask. We know exactly what he means. And the people who run Miss Nevada USA apparently agree. I'm, I'm better than, uh, than actual women. I'm not just uh, the, equal to a woman or the same as. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a better version. Because I'm a man. Men are better at... Everything apparently. I mean, they're, they're better, men are better at being women than women. This this is the message we keep getting from our culture over and over again. As more and more men win these uh, various competitions that are meant for women, whether it's athletics or now beauty pageants, Caitlyn Jenner, Woman of the Year. The message is uh, that men are just men make better women. That's the message. I certainly don't agree with that. That's what we're being told. You know, we we hear so much from feminists about uh, misogyny, you know, uh, the patriarchy and so on. And every time they talk about it, whatever direction they're pointing in, it's not there. But here's here's a real example of it. I don't know if I would call this the patriarchy, because I'm not exactly sure what that even is. Um, But I would call this misogyny. Yeah, I I don't know what else to call it. A man standing up on stage and saying he's more than these other women. Other women. These women. I'm not sure what else to call it. That's like the definition of misogyny. A man saying I'm better than women? Isn't that misogyny? Uh, Staying with the LGBT theme for a moment here, a woman sent me something through private message that um, I'm sure the NSA has already seen, so I might as well tell you about it as well. Uh, So her her husband is active duty Navy, and she sent me this, um, 
with a couple of pictures here. She said that there, what she said was that there was a, a diversity hike, quote unquote, in honor of Pride Month. And uh, that the message came down from command that this was mandatory. That's what she, she said, that it was mandatory and th- there were no exceptions. There was no excused absence. You had to show up. And she provided a, a picture of the flyer. Um, it says, you can see the flyer there. LGBTQ Pride Month diversity hike. Uh, when the 25th of June, um, uh, attire, pride attire, colorful clothing. And why? We will support our brothers and sisters whom are a part of the pride community. And then you can see the picture there. If it wasn't bad enough and disturbing enough, you look at the picture. Look at that picture. There, there you see a rainbow American flag. This was uh, in, in, in an official event put on by the military. Now, they might not be in military uniform, but it's an event. And you've got people in the military marching under a rainbow American flag. I mean, I don't know, call me old-fashioned or something. I don't think that anyone in our military should ever march under any flag other than the United States flag, the real United States flag, not a, not a, not a gayified version of it. Now, um, you could see here, just based on the, the photographs, there's plenty of evidence that this thing actually happened. And um, in fact, you, you can go to the Facebook page where this was advertised and you can see that, yeah, this really happened. As far as the claim that it's mandatory, that's, that's what she told me. I haven't seen any confirmation about that. And given the circumstance and that this is the military, this could have been one of those things where uh, it's mandatory and it's, you're made to understand that you need to show up, but we can't actually tell you that it's mandatory. Kind of mandatory being communicated through a wink sort of thing. I'm not sure, but mandatory or not, there's no excuse for this at all. A diversity hike. While other while other countries' militaries are, you know, focused on getting stronger, getting more lethal, getting better at killing the enemy. Ours, uh, ours are having diversity hikes in honor of Pride Month under a rainbow flag. All right, next here we have some sad news today reported by the Miami Herald. Uh, it says, quote, the feds have indicted rapper Pooh Shiesty over the alleged shooting and robbery of two men outside of a Bay Harbor Islands hotel. The rapper, whose real name is Lontrell Williams, is now in federal custody and made his first Miami federal court appearance on Tuesday afternoon. The charges, discharging a firearm during a violent crime, conspiracy, and robbery under a law regulating commerce. Williams, 21, had been charged and freed on bond in Miami-Dade State Court over the same incident. But earlier this month, he was put back in jail on a separate charge over the alleged shooting of a security guard at the King of Diamonds Strip Club on Memorial Day. Now, I'm sorry, but I have to say, I I can't believe that Pusha Isti would do this. Um, This is not the Pooh that I know. The Pooh that I know, okay, is a gentleman. He, he's easily the most decent and courteous man to ever bear the name 
poo shiesty. And now you expect me to believe he did something like this? Listen to the details of this crime, okay? One of the crimes. It sounds like there are a bunch of crimes, but it's one of them anyway. It says, according to a criminal complaint, the trio in October arranged to buy some marijuana and high-end athletic sneakers from two men at the Landon Hotel in Bay Harbor Islands. Williams showed up in a, re- in a rented McLaren exotic car, um, and, uh, and then uh, during the deal, Williams and Brown shot the two men, one in the hip, the other in the rear end, according to the complaint. The robbery was captured on video surveillance, according to the criminal complaint. Williams used a Draco subcompact machine gun and never paid either victim for the shoes or marijuana. Well, I would guess not. Generally, when you're shooting someone in order to steal, you don't don't pay. But um, shot the man in the ass over a pair of shoes. Now, I ask ask you, does that sound like something Pooh Shiesty would do? You tell me. And keep in mind something else here, too. Uh, The internet tells me that Pooh Shiesty recently linked up... um, and did a song with a fellow named Spottom Gottem. And uh, I think, do we have a picture of Spottom Gottem? I just thought it was important. There we go. So there's Spottom Gottem. Okay. He appears to be nine years old, and it would seem that his barber prefers to use a weed whacker or maybe like a food processor than traditional clippers. But anyway, with friends like these, influences like, the, look at Spottom Gottem. This is a man who pays his taxes. This is a man who recycles. With friends and influences like these, would Pooh Shiesty resort to criminal behavior? Come on. Free poo. That's what I say. That's what we, that's, that is the banner that I will march under. Free poo. Uh, okay. Um, next year, we got, a, we got a bunch of other things. I, I, actually, a million things to talk about. And my, the editors probably hate me because I sent them like 40 clips that I wanted to play. And I'll play about two of them. Um, but we also have this James from the daily wire, James Corden announced recently that he would change the spill your guts segment on the late, late show, which was previously accused of being culturally offensive because some of the disgusting foods it featured were dishes from Asian countries. Um, so this is a, apparently a segment that I've never seen because I don't watch that show at all. Uh, absolutely no interest, but in the seg- it's, ba- it's just a segment centered around the, the comedy is, is you bring a famous person on and uh, there's a bunch of disgusting food. And then I guess it's uh, you're asked kind of like a truth or dare situation where you're asked a question. If you don't want to answer the question, you have to eat the disgusting food. And sometimes the disgusting food that's featured is uh, Asian food. And this segment had been happening on the show for years and no one had a problem with it. And then one TikTok influencer noticed it and decreed that it was racist. And that was enough for James Corden to say, oh, you know what? You're right. This thing that I've been doing for years and never occurred to me there was any problem with it. uh, Since since you, random person, have told me it's racist, then it must be. So he was on the Howard Stern Show and he was asked about this. He said, we heard about the backlash. And the next time we do that bit, we absolutely won't use any of those foods. Our show is a show about joy and light and love. We don't want to make a show that will upset anybody. We completely understand uh, the, uh, the backlash, he said. Um, I don't know when we're going to do that bit again. We, we, when we do, we absolutely won't use any foods that offend. Then he goes on and says, it's not for us to determine why somebody's upset or hurt about something. That's not for us to decide. All we can do is go, all right, we get it. We hear you. We won't do that. 
No, that's not all you can do. All, when someone says they're upset, all we can do, the only thing we can do is just say, fine, we'll stop doing whatever upsets you. That's all we can do. No, there's, there's something else you can do. You know what else you can do? Uh, you can look them in the eyes and you can say, I don't care that you're upset. You're being ridiculous. I'm going to keep doing what I was doing before. That's also an option. You could do that too. This, this defensiveness that people get over, over, you know, food, especially with Asian food now, we have to treat it with this, uh, with this reverence. If, if, if you say anything negative about Asian food, it's ra- you can't be racist against food. And yes, different cultures have different food that they like to eat. And probably every culture has something that they eat that other cultures would look at that and say, that's disgusting. And in the past, we could just, we could laugh about that. That's how you know you've made real progress. When it comes to racial and ethnic relations, um, it, 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 you know you've made real progress when you can laugh about things. It's just like, that's how you know that you're, you're friends with someone. When you can laugh at them and they can laugh at you and nobody gets offended. So it was progress before. When you could do, when a couple of white people could do a segment where they're eating some food that maybe in Asia is, is, is traditional and, and is considered a delicacy, but here it's, it's weird and gross, and we can all just laugh about it. But now, no, now there are landmines everywhere, and everyone's offended by everything, and that's, and that, what, that's supposed to be progress? By the way, no surprise here, as USA Today reports, the TikToker who started the backlash by the name of Kim Sarah isn't happy with Corden's apology. Who would have thought? So Sarah told KCRW, um, according to USA Today, I feel like there's no accountability on his end. I think that the line was really drawn when he decided to mock foods that are used in predominantly Asian cultures. There are ways to go about comedy that don't offend or and aren't culturally insensitive. Actually, there aren't. There is no way to go about comedy um, that, that won't offend somebody. Or maybe put it another way, if your first priority in comedy is to not offend anybody, then you're not doing comedy. The the first priority with comedy should be to to be funny. You put anything above that and it's not really comedy. And certainly if if your first priority is defensive or you don't want to offend anyone, then that's not comedy. More from the New York Post on this person's feelings and why this person's feelings matter has not been explained. Um, But apparently she's been all over the media talking about how the harm that was caused to her by this segment that, again, has been going on for years and didn't bother anybody. But she saw it and she's deeply wounded by it. Um, It's kind of discouraging that he hasn't put out an apology because I really want this all to just end. He doesn't have to apologize to me. He just needs to apologize to the Asian community and recognize the harm that it caused the Asian people. What what harm exactly? Can you explain that, Kim? I want you to go into real detail with this. Explain to me in detail. I want the the full step-by-step process. Uh, We're starting with James Corden eating a food on camera and laughing about how it's gross. And then somewhere down the line here, Asian people are harmed. How does that work? 
And no, he doesn't need to apologize to the Asian community because the Asian community wasn't offended, even if they were. Just because someone's offended doesn't mean you owe them an apology. But it's not the Asian, it's you. You're the one. Everybody else was fine with it. You're the one who was offended. You know what I'd also like to know is, uh, I, I don't know all the foods that they were eating. I know one of them is, I, I forget the name of it, but um, there's a, in some cultures they'll eat, it's basically a hard-boiled egg, but there's a, like a fertilized fetal duck or chicken inside it that you're eating. Um, and other, that, that's, I saw in a clip, that's one of the foods that they ate, which apparently, I guess, in some Asian cultures is, is traditional. I'm, I'm curious, Kim Sarah, would, would you eat that? Or would you think that that's disgusting? All right. Um, a story from a few days ago that I never got a chance to talk about from The Blaze. Um, it says, quote, many medical experts have claimed that there are no health drawbacks to wearing face masks, masks for long periods of time as long as you regularly clean them or use a new covering each time you mask up. But Florida parents who are concerned about children wearing face masks at school discovered recently that face masks actually catch a host of bacteria, many of which are dangerous pathogens. The Gainesville parents sent six recently worn face masks to the University of Florida for laboratory testing. They discovered that the face masks collect numerous bacteria that cause, in many cases, serious illness. Who would have thought? Uh, the 11 dangerous pathogens found on the masks are responsible for illnesses that include pneumonia, tubercul tuberculosis, meningitis, sepsis, um, E. coli, diphtheria, Lyme disease, and urinary tract infections. These, again, are the pathogens that are found in these masks that kids are wearing all day. Uh, yet, yet another revelation to come out of the COVID response that most of us knew from the very beginning. You Look, you put a face mask on anyone all day when face masks, once again, were never meant to be worn that way. Face masks were supposed to be worn in a clinical setting for limited periods of time. You're not supposed to put on a face mask and just wear it for 12 hours as you go about your daily activities. So you're going to find those kind of pathogens on anyone's face mask but especially a child. It, it, all parents, all reasonable, rational parents know this. You send your, your eight-year-old boy off to school and he's there for six hours and he come, and when he walks back in the door, you know, he, it, it, it looks like he's been rolling around in a, in a literal pigsty all day. It looks like he's been working at the barn. His clothes are filthy. His shirt is... Dis you just want to pick... You just want to take his shirt off and throw it away. You don't even want, want to wash it. It looks toxic. Because kids are dirty. And uh, now you put a mask over their mouth all day? Just think about how gross that is. So there are the... The medical and physical risks of doing that and exposing them to those... Having them stew in germs all day on their face... You got to weigh that against, against the risk of COVID, which is extremely, extremely small, given that they're kids. All right, number five, I need to play this for you as well before we move on, because this is important to me, especially now um, that we have the bicep cam here. Uh, the bicep, bicep cam is proof that I'm an advocate of physical fitness, and that means that I'm especially disturbed by the epidemic of poor form in the execution of push-ups. Um, and this is a real crisis in our country and has been for a long time, in my opinion. 
And so I can't let this slide. Senators Tom Cotton and Chuck Grassley were at some sort of Iowa Republican Party event. And for unexplained reasons, they both hit the deck and did push-ups for the crowd. I don't know why. Now, Grassley is like 600 years old, and, and, and so maybe he has an excuse. But Cotton, not so much. And I just want you to see these push-ups. Let's, let's watch and count how many real push-ups are done. Because if, do, if you're doing push-ups on a stage in front of people, you're going to get judged on them. So let's, let's, let's play this video and watch. How many push-ups do we see executed? Uh, let's see here. Go ahead and play it. Zero. Zero, 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 zero. Still haven't seen a push-up. Zero, 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 zero. These are not push-ups. Okay, first of all, you need. Actually, Chuck Grassley's form is a little bit better. I'd like to see his. I'd like to see his his, his uh, feet a little bit closer together. But Tom Cotton, look at him bobbing his head up and down. No, this is not this is not a, a practice in getting a concussion. You don't you don't bang your forehead on the ground when you're doing a push-up. You want to keep your neck straight, you're looking slightly up. Now they had their they had their uh, their uh, their hands a little bit more than shoulder width apart. That's correct. And uh, especially for a younger guy like Tom Cotton, I want to see you go down and I want to see your 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 chest hit the deck or at least get 6 inches from the floor. There are some people who say as long as you get a 90-degree angle in your arms that that counts as a push-up. I don't think so. So those are not real push-ups. This is a big problem in our society. People who can't do push I see it at the gym all the time. Zero true push-ups were completed just there. But how old? Chuck Grassley is, what is he? I think he's 87 or something. That is somewhat impressive. I'll give him an excuse. All right. So let's go to the YouTube comments. And Red X Pen says, I'm not even a conservative, but boy, do I like watching Matt nowadays. His takes are fire. Well, not a conservative, but I, honestly, I'm not. I, well, I guess I don't want to discourage you. But when I hear that from people sometimes, sometimes I'll hear like leftists tell me that they watch the show. And I think I don't even know how you can stomach it, but I'm glad you do. Um, Andrew Schnick says, Matt Walsh, please mention that June is National Dairy Month. I will not mention that. I refuse. Um, Cody says, Matt, going to be in Nashville in a couple of weeks. Want to hang out? I'll bring the bass boat. Keep up the good work. If you can show me how to actually catch fish in this damn state, uh, I, yes, we can hang out. Um, another comment says, what has conservatism conserved exactly? Yeah, that's the question I get all the time. What is conservatism conserved? I, the one thing I would say is, is gun rights. That, that I will give, uh, reluctantly, I'll give the Republican Party and conservatism in general some credit for that. The left has not made anywhere near the kind of progress they've tried to make um, in terms of infringing on gun rights. Doesn't, doesn't mean they're not trying. They're going to keep trying. But you look at, uh, at the success they've had in every other area, especially the areas they've really focused on. Usually when they home in on something and say, we're going to win this issue, they win it. And they've been doing that with gun rights, and they have not had that kind of success. So that's the one thing I'll say. That and tax cuts, I guess. Um, and uh, finally, do you think people feel the way that woman does, the woman who complained about the man in the locker room in the video we played yesterday, but just keep quiet to avoid being canceled? Well, yeah, I, I know that people feel that way. That was the whole point yesterday. There are still a lot of sane, normal people in this country. I, I would guess that sane, normal people still outnumber the insane people. 
Our numbers are dwindling, but we still, I believe, are in the majority. But most uh, are too afraid to be sane publicly, and then that's how we end up with these kinds of situations. Well, if you need a good dose of uncensored history, then uh, I've got the perfect documentary for you. I've been telling you about this. It's called Created Equal, and it tells the story of Clarence Thomas, the second ever black American Supreme Court justice to be confirmed to the highest court in the land, although he doesn't exactly get the credit for that from uh, the mainstream media. Thomas grew up in the segregated South and built an esteemed career against all odds. He then found himself in a highly contentious confirmation battle that almost tore apart his family and ruined his reputation. It's an absolutely riveting documentary, and it's only available to Daily Wire members. So if you want more stories that diverge from the accepted political narrative, you got to go to dailywire.com slash subscribe and get 20% off your new membership with code justice. And speaking of those kinds of stories, you know, once upon a time, brave men uh, stood up against tyrannical governments and fought for the country that we know and love. And too often those stories fade into the past to make way for the culture war obsessed dialogue of today. So in honor of our nation's upcoming Independence Day, we'd like to change that. Our new podcast, America's Forgotten Heroes, illuminates the intense and action-packed stories of seven men who fought against all odds to make America as free as it is today. From John Paul Jones, the father of the U.S. Navy, to Frank Luke, the 21-year-old ace pilot who took down 18 German aircrafts in 18 days during World War II, these brave men are the reason people like me are able to voice our opinions today. And as we get uh, close to July 4th, there's no better time to check this out. So you got to check out America's Forgotten Heroes and, uh, and experience that story today. And remember, if you like what you hear and you download the podcast, remember we leave a five-star review and uh, help share these incredible stories. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. So today we must cancel a group called Gen Z Grow Our Platform. They're an organization of alleged Republican grassroots activists in Generation Z, and their mission is to, as the name suggests, grow the platform and forge a new and young and exciting and fresh path for the GOP. But one thing you notice about the plans to forge a new and exciting and fresh new path for the GOP is that the new and exciting and fresh new path always tends to look and sound an awful lot like the old path. Every couple of years, someone comes along with a big idea for how to help the Republican Party get with the times and connect with the youth. And invariably, the big idea is for it to basically continue doing what it's been doing all along. So the group put out an ad yesterday, which got some attention online. Let's take a look at that. We are Generation Z. We are the most creative and eager generation. Despite all of the memes and contrary to popular belief, we are not automatically Democrats. Sometimes they just feel like they're the only option. Equality, education, the environment, and entrepreneurship. The four E's that are key to preserving the GOP in the long run. We're the most diverse generation in American history. Above all, we are the generation ready to lead our country to a brighter future in the 21st century. Let me introduce you to some of my friends. We're going to show you how we're going to do this on the conservative side of the aisle. You know, we talk a lot about equality, but conservatives need to be engaged. This means promoting an equality of opportunity for all voices. No more litmus tests. Give people the freedom and security to live their own lives. As an immigrant from Cote d'Ivoire, I have benefited from world-class education right here in America. It will help me achieve my dreams and eventually attain my citizenship. But my story is the exception, not the rule. We need to pursue education reforms that lift up all students right here in the United States. 
I grew up in the rural Midwest. I saw firsthand the importance of a natural environment. Not only does it matter to the livelihood of millions of American farmers, but it's also God's creation and which we have a moral obligation to protect. Gen Z is independent. We think freely, but in order to fulfill our full potential, we need the tools and climate to pursue our passions, fulfill our dreams, and enact positive change. If we want to preserve the freedom and security that we love while winning the ideological battle against the left, we must grow Gen Z's platform on the right. Can we at least get some like stylish and cool young people if we're going to do this? Can't even get that. Well, this is pretty wild stuff. So apparently what they're saying is that the Republican Party should talk about things like equality and opportunity and respecting the environment. Surely no one has ever devised such a revolutionary plan as this. I mean, these kids are trailblazers. It's not as though literally every politician constantly yammers about all of those things already. So bringing things back to reality, it's true, of course, that education is an important issue. But a phrase like, we need to pursue education reforms that lift up all students is meaningless. The word reform is meaningless. Every politician wants to reform everything, but nothing ever happens. Apparently, reform involves standing in front of a thing that you want to reform and just shouting the word reform at it. And with education especially, we are way past the point where mere reform can solve the problem anyway. This is like suggesting that somebody with stage four skin cancer simply needs to wear more sunscreen. That advice would have been helpful a long time ago, but now far more drastic measures are needed. What the Republican Party needs to be talking about is how to extricate American families from their dependence on the government school system. That is the problem now. That's the kind of reform we need. It's a societal reform at the deepest level, and it will require massive lifestyle changes for millions of people. So it is difficult, but it's necessary. And it's also a truly revolutionary and bold message and an exciting message. Because we're talking about transforming society. It's a message that says, no, don't reform the government education system. Dismantle it. Tear it to the ground. Gather up the pieces and throw them into the sea and let no one ever speak its name again. That should be our educational message. What are the other E's? Um, The environment. Well, the problem there is that nobody cares about that. I'm, I'm here to tell you right now. Nobody cares about the environment. Okay? Few people will admit it, but nobody really cares. I don't really care. I don't think about it at all. Even the people who pretend to care don't really. People generally understand that you shouldn't litter, you shouldn't engage in the wanton destruction of nature for no reason, but nobody's making significant and dramatic changes to their lives in order to save the environment or whatever. Nobody's doing that or will do that. And that's okay because the environment will be okay. The planet is a pretty resilient thing. It's been around for over 4 billion years. It's survived asteroids and supervolcano eruptions and and many other calamities. It'll be fine. This isn't something we need to spend time talking about. And anyway, like I said, nobody actually cares. What about equality? Well, here's another thing that conservatives don't need to talk about. What is equality anyway? What kind of equality do we want? Is equality some sort of universal good? No. It's not a universal good, and it's not universally attainable. The only kind of equality 
that we need to worry about is equality under the law. There shouldn't be any laws which target or disenfranchise people based on race, sex, etc. Uh, the good news is that there are no such laws targeting racial minorities or any other approved victim group with the exception of Asians. The bad news is that there are laws like affirmative action which intentionally disadvantage white people and Asians. And we should be talking about that, but, but not by turning it into a broad stroke discussion about equality. And then there's entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship. Um, sure, entrepreneurship is good. We want more of that. And we want to protect small business owners and all of that, and yada, yada. Um, but are any of these issues the sorts of issues that really drive people at the deepest level? Are these the things that stir men's souls? Are people lying awake at night, tossing and turning, worried about these kinds of things? Are people sitting at their kitchen tables right now, you know, furrowing their brows, rubbing their temples, fretting about whether we have the right environmental policies in place? No. Is anyone going to see that ad that I just played and feel fired up and ready to charge into battle, eager to fight for the soul of our nation? No. We, we live in a country where life Sanity, reason, virtue, science, truth are all under attack at the most fundamental level. Our nation itself, our sovereignty hangs in the balance. The most powerful forces in our culture, from government to academia to media to corporate America, are all conspiring in this assault. And that is what worries people. That's what keeps people awake at night, young and old and in between. I know because they tell me all the time. These are not academic issues either. These are real and tangible. And these are things that Republican leaders and lawmakers could be doing something to stop. They could be addressing it. We could have laws in place around all of these issues, but we're not doing anything. And, and that's what the conservative movement of the future should be focused on. If it's not focused on that, then it might as well put up the white flag and surrender. And that's what this ad is really proposing in so many words. What it's really saying is it was a lot of words to really just say, give up. And that's why the ad and those responsible for it are, as tradition dictates, canceled. And we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodosky. The show is edited by Sasha Tolmachov. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is done by Nika Geneva. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Today on The Ben Shapiro Show, according to ESPN, a woman is a he, a she, and also a them. We'll talk about it today on The Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. 